You are listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast, delivered every Tuesday, where we feature timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and the economy in the hope of providing you investing and trading guidance. Here's your host, Royce Aguilar, from the Research Department at First MetroSec. Welcome to another episode of the Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. I'm Royce Aguilar from First Metro Securities, and we're here to discuss the usuals. We are going to discuss the weekly summary outlook and then mention some stock picks. And then afterwards, we'll discuss a theme. All right. So first, let's discuss what happened with the PSEI last week. Very, very bullish market last week. So let's discuss the specifics. So first, the PSEI surged by 9.9% week on week. To close at 6,484.06, so that's around 585 points, driven by encouraging economic recovery prospects following Congress approval of the 4.5 trillion national budget for 2021, the lifting of non-essential travel bans among key tourist destinations. There's also the loosening of age-based quarantine restrictions. Keep in mind, from 21 to I believe 60. Now it's lowered to 55, and the upper bound has been. Um, hiked to around 65. There's also the approval of the Department of Tourism for hotels in areas under GCQ and MGCQ to operate at 100% capacity. And the sustained downtrend of new local COVID-19 cases, so we're hitting consistently below 2,000 for most of the week. Investors look past emerging consensus among local government officials to keep Metro Manila under GCQ until year-end, as the national government confirmed that GCQ protocols may be further east nonetheless. On the international front, sentiment was also lifted by the approval of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration of the antiviral drug Remdesivir as the first and only approved COVID-19 treatment in the U.S. So that tempered worries about the rising COVID-19 cases in that region. So in terms of volume, volume was definitely there last week at 7.9 billion. And foreigners were net buyers for the first time in the long time. Actually, I believe it's around Wednesday where it was the first net foreign buying in, in the last 29 trading sessions. So that's a welcome development. We saw volumes of net foreign buying. So those are welcome developments. In terms of what we expect this week, so bullish investor sentiment may continue to persist. Unimproved confidence for the nation's eventual return to normalcy. So if, if we talk about now the price action, there may be expected pullback at the start of the week. Given that, you know, just talk a bit of technical. So the RSI of the PSCI is around 79.50. So that's now classified as overbought levels. So usually the market um, pulls back when trading at those levels. So investors will also remain watchful of the release of third quarter corporate earnings results, which is honing in on the recovery prospects of listed companies for next year. So in terms of the PSI earnings releases this week, we have, of course, so we, we, we had BDO Meralco yesterday, and then we have Pure Gold on Wednesday, and then RHI on Thursday. So something to watch out for. So in terms of our picks for the week, we have three, two of which are buy calls. So first one is URC. So URC already released its earnings last week. So it posted net income of $8.1 billion. So that's 12% up year on year for the nine months of 2020, that's actually ahead of our expectations driven by increased operating income, lower debt, and interest expense. So there's also lower foreign exchange losses. So despite the flattish sales at $32.4 billion, sales for nine months was at par versus last year at $99.8 billion. In terms of the story, in terms of what we saw from the earnings, in terms of the qualitatives, that's uh, in line with our expectations, right? 
So URC's diverse product portfolio are and leading market shares position the company ahead of the snacking at home trend. So the company looks to further its gains by continuously pursuing brand development efforts towards health and in-home consumption while protecting its core portfolio. So buoyed by newfound snacking habits at home, coupled with its relentless focus on its product offerings, we think that URC can hold on to its early gains well into the next two to three years. So this is for traders, right? We treat our recommendation to buy URC after it broke above 135. So if you are a long-term investor, our target price for URC is 178. So next up is SM Prime Holdings. So SM surged by 13.3% last week alone. So of course, the government recently eased transport measures and age-based COVID-19 quarantine restrictions as mentioned earlier. So we are of the view that commercial centers are among the main beneficiaries of easier agent transport restrictions. So with higher potential foot traffic, mall tenants are likely to generate better gross sales. In turn, lifting mall developers' rental revenues as well. So particularly, we like the recovery prospects of um, SMPH as the leading mall developer in the country. So it has 74 malls with a total gross floor area of 8.5 million square meters. So to recall, malls historically contributed over 50% of SMPH's consolidated revenues. All right, so that's um, talking about the fundamentals of the company, what we think of, of it. In terms of technicals, SMPH is currently trading at overbought levels, right? With RASI at around 80 after quickly breaking above its resistance levels at around 32 and 34 last week alone. So take advantage of the expected pullbacks. That's our recommendation. And buy the dips until 32. So in terms of our long-term target price for SMPH, it's around 42 for the long-term um, investors out there. Our last one is GFC. So GFC is actually a um, fully valued call for us. So technically, it's not a buy, it's not a hold, right? So leaning towards sell call. So our call for the week is to lighten position on GFC, and here's why. So first of all, GFC rallied by 21.8% last week after the company, through its wholly-owned subsidiary, JWPL, announced that it will purchase an additional 25% participating interest over the holding entity of Team Hoan, increasing its interest from 60 to 85%. So you know we, we understand that the increase in stake may support GFC's recovery post-pandemic, However, we think the underlying trend suggests the pace of recovery could be slow, specifically for the company. So this is based on limited on-premise capacities, store network right-sizing pressures given the pre-termination penalties for leases, among other restructuring fees. There's also these ghost kitchens, maybe good for margins, but could eat into dine-in volumes, right? We're seeing you know, lots of online sellers right now. And then there's rise of third-party aggregators whose presence has leveled the playing field for both independent and less capitalized operators as well as chain food service empires likes of GFC, right? Just like I mentioned, online. And then I think this is where the drag will come from. The CBTL and Smashburg potential turnaround still clouds our earnings outlook. So same with most index names. So GFC is also trading at overbought levels. The difference though, it, it has a resistance level also at 182. So the stock, we think the stock will correct significantly correct from here. So we suggest investors, traders to lightly position and shift to other stocks which have brighter prospects. So there, that's our weekly summary outlook and picks. Our theme for the week is all about which stocks are still undervalued according to our retail report stock screen and we'll tell you what would make them rally ahead, right? So we just discussed earlier that the PSEI 
rallied by 9.9% last week alone. Right? So probably um, those who didn't ride on the PSAI last week, so which stocks can I hold on for now? Which stocks can I buy and hold on for the long term? And those who are currently holding, so which stocks can be the faster horse in the next weeks, in the next months, right? So the stocks can report, let's lean on to that for now, right? So the theme for today is which stocks are still undervalued. And we have a couple of screeners under our report, namely the value play and unloved. We'll discuss that further later on. So keep in mind, these are not necessarily um, like first metrosex recommendations. This comes from the stock screen report. If you're an investor who really uh, likes to buy these undervalued stocks, the stock screen can help you do that because the stock screen is actually built on um, this certain model which will tell you uh, which stocks has uh, the highest dividend given every year, the stocks that can ride the momentum, meaning the stocks that are relatively expensive but poised for further growth, and then the other two, right? The value play and love. So this is basically more of a work of the Excel guided by, of course, some people in the company, like, like myself. Let the stock screen guide us for today. But just to reiterate, our stock picks has two themes. So just to reiterate first our stock picks, and then let's go to the stock screen afterwards. So our stock picks, we it's separated into two. The first one is the COVID-19 beneficiaries. We have URC, Pure Gold, RHI, and CNPF. And then we have the reopening winners, SM, RLC, SMPH, Ali, Wilcon. Right? So those are our stock picks. You can see that actually uploaded in our trader's playbook featuring the PSEI. So now let's discuss which stocks are still undervalued according to the stock screen. So the stock screen, first of all, is uploaded every Wednesday, offers four model portfolios. We discussed the value play and the love that's what we will discuss today. And then we have the other two, Riding the Momentum and Yield Seeker. So the value play features stocks that are exceptionally undervalued while unloved, composed of stocks that generate high earnings but are underrated by the market. So first, let's discuss value play. So these stocks that are under value play have a low price to book, yet high return on equity. So these are the stocks that are undervalued by the market but able to provide high return to shareholders. So let's discuss each of them, right? So first, according to StockStream, we have AGI. According to the StockStream, AGI has 0.4 price-to-book ratio. That's trailing. And then return on equity of around 10.1%. According to First Metrosec Pro, indeed, AGI has uh, one of the cheap, lowest price-to-book ratio amongst holding companies, right? So let's discuss. So in terms of valuation, right, um, we have already priced in most of the companies' downside risk, with AGI still trading well below its book value, right, at 0.4, trailing price-to-book value. And this is fun fact. So AGI's stake in Emperador is already worth more than AGI's market capitalization at at Emperador's market cap of around $150 billion, AGI's more than 80% stake in the company is already worth $127 billion, more than 50% higher than AGI's current market cap of $70 billion. Right? So this, this tells us that AGI may have upside. So the catalyst for AGI to further rally, so this is what we're going to talk about, the catalyst for these stocks. Right. So number one, the reopening of gaming operations. So let's watch out for announcements from Pagcore. There are reports that around capacity can is already around 30% for these casinos. But of course, welcome development will be higher capacity allowed. Another is, you know, the market cheer lowering age of to 15 to 65 years old, like mentioned earlier. 
So further catalyst is if we include kids, since some families cannot leave their kids behind at home, so that would further benefit Mega World's malls, right? So that's for AGI. Next is Ayala Corp. For Ayala Corp, we know that first half earnings came in below estimates. So one main catalyst for AC is signs of recovery from its subsidiaries. So one of the subsidiaries that actually dragged AC's earnings is Ayala Land. So Ayala Land shopping mall revenue shrank by 77% in the second quarter, just like uh, what I mentioned with Mega World Small. So if you include kids, since some families cannot leave their kid behind at home, that would benefit Ayala Malls. And we know that there are lots of Ayala Malls. So that's that. And then meanwhile, the closure of resorts and lower occupancy of hotels due to travel bans brought hotel revenues down 71% in the second quarter of the year. So right now, the Department of Tourism disclosed that hotels can have 100% capacity in GCQ and MGCQ area. So catalyst is if Ayala Lands Hotels do increase capacity, right? Because at the end of the day, um, it's, it's at the, the decision to increase capacity will be on the management side. So if hotels of Ayala Land do increase capacity and we see more people come in, so that is a catalyst for Ayala Land. Another is BPI. So BPI, BPI's earnings was dragged by higher provisions for loan losses for the COVID-19 pandemic. So, of course, you, you're booking high provisions mainly because you're anticipating a slower economic recovery and the like. So, the catalyst moving forward is booking lower provisions in the next quarter. So, new statements signaling lower provisions in the next quarter could be a catalyst, could propel both BPI and AC's share prices. Right? So, that's for AC. Next is DMCI. So, DMCI, same with AC, it's more of earnings. Right? So, last First half of the year, Cornet income was around 2.6 billion. That's 61% lower year in year. Of course, it's subsidiaries, it's coal, nickel mining business, power generation, property development are cyclical in nature. So, besides the general news they have regarding reopening, improved third quarter earnings should lift its share price above its June high of 4.77. Because you know, we're seeing companies right now, stocks rather, go above their June high. So DMC is relatively the laggard. So indeed undervalued, right? Relatively. And then we have a couple of banks under value play. So we have East-West. So looking at East-West, indeed, uh, looking at the pro, when you go to pro, you go to analytics, fun- fundamental price to book ratio. East-West is relatively um, cheaper in the banking sector. So if you take a look at share price though, East-West has been rallying after it posted first half earnings of 65% increase year-on-year. That's actually above consensus estimate. So non-interest income grew by double digit significantly. So the strong growth came from its core business and even offset the significant increase in provisions. So in terms of fundamentals, so we understand, we mentioned this in our previous playbook report that investors may remain cautious given the bank's large exposure in the consumer banking business. So that actually accounted for 61% of banks' bottom line last first half. So note that the consumer banking business is most at risk in asset quality deterioration amidst the ongoing pandemic. Nevertheless, despite the stock's recent rally driven by better than expected earnings, East-West remains to be one of the cheapest among banks. So below industry average of 0.59 times. So East-West was around 0.35 times. That's our data coming from uh, one week ago. So that being said, there may still be upside ahead for East-West should it manage to sustain its earnings trends in the next quarters. So last one under value plays Metrobank. 
So lots of uh, brokerages believe that Metrobank is the cheapest bank in the PSEI. So Metrobank has a strong position to capitalize in the country's favorable economic prospects, particularly you know, once this pandemic is resolved. So one main catalyst for MBT, which uh, we've been waiting, is net foreign buying, which we're actually beginning to see in the past few weeks. Right? So should it sustain its net foreign buying, it could also sustain its rally. So of course, better, better third quarter earnings is also good. Right? Better loan growth, lower provisions, and the like should lift earnings and its share price eventually. So that's for value play. So moving on to Unloved. So Unloved, you have high growth, high EPS CAGR, and then low price to earnings ratio. So stocks that generate high earnings, but underrated by the market. So we have another five stocks on this list. So first one is MPI. So for MPI, we know that MPI is relatively the one of the cheapest in the index for so long. What could further propel the stock higher is, of course, better earnings. But the thing here is, the company has been seeing trends in the past months, right? So latest monthly numbers for the company have been encouraging. So this is actually still a June data, but this is the latest they have. So domestic tolls average daily traffic increased by 20% month on month, while the, the, the light tail Manila's average daily ridership surged by 17% month on month last July. So energy sales from its Meralco global business power, energy sales showed double-digit increase month-on-month. So specifically for Meralco, 18.7% month-on-month for global power, near double-digit at 9% month-on-month, right? So that's for uh, energy sales in June. So month-on-month, strong data. In terms of sentiment, MPI, I will also include Manila Water on this. Manila Water is also part of the unloved. So we've been seeing less rhetorics from the government regarding the amendment of the service contracts. The nice thing about this Manila Water in its earnings briefings call last August said that they are already planning projects with MWSS past 2022. So that increases the chances that there will be likely new concession agreements. So that should also propel share price of MPI and Manila Water moving forward, right? So besides better earnings in the third quarter, sentiment will also be positive should there be new developments on the concession agreement. So next is RLC. So RLC is actually you know one of our picks. For RLC, one key catalyst for this one is the revenue potential from its Chengdu project in China. There's this unbooked revenue of $9 billion from the Chengdu project, which is expected to be recognized in the second half of the year. So it should be recognizing revenues as we speak. It should be seen in the third quarter earnings results um, in the next few weeks. So that should help lift the company's bottom line by around $1 billion. So that's for the residential side. For the office demand, RLC's aggressive expansion in the office segment should have a material impact on the company's future earnings. So in the past three years, the company increased its office portfolio by more than 250,000 square meters. So that's actually led to a 21% increase in operating income on average. Moreover, the growing office leasing segment has contributed to an increase in the company's cash position with operating cash flow surging at an average of 27% annually since 2016. Okay, so besides that, the moratorium on PESA licenses, expected strong demand for local BPO services led by international companies cutting costs. Of course, it's cheaper to operate here. The need for business continuity plans also help support the demand for local BPO services. So we think RLC is well-placed to take advantage of the opportunity. 
RNC already recorded a 93% peak commitment rate as of first quarter of the year. So given the huge potential of the BPO industry to support the local economy, we could see the announcement of supportive regulatory policies that will further boost the growth in this sector. So the fourth one we have under unloved is BPI. So as mentioned earlier, BPI catalyst is lower provisions in the next quarters, new statements signaling lower provisions moving forward. So that could propel a BPI share price. So better than expected earnings in the next quarters, right? So that should um, lift the company. So for the last one, the last one under unloved, so we have MPI, MWC, RLC, and BPI for love. The last one is Phil Invest Land. For Phil Invest Land or Fly, the risk for the company is its uh, significant exposure to Pogos. So Fly has one of the largest exposure at around 20% as of nine months of 2019. So Catalyst for Fly is some signs of being less strict in terms of regulations to Pogo companies. That's one. Improvement in earnings. So actually, Fly already um, mentioned some improvements in its residential sales when, when Metro Manila moved to a GCQ. Of course, that should signal that there should be better earnings for 3Q. So in the coming weeks, we should watch out for that. Mall operations should also be lifted according to Fly, given improving numbers ever since Manila was moved to a GCQ. So mall operations also improve since operating gross leasing area was back up to 70% in July from a low of 20% in April. So there, those are the stocks that may have further upside, right? These are the stocks that are currently undervalued according to our stock screen report. That's it for me. So if you want um, more stocks, uh, please go to our website under research report stock screen. We publish it every Wednesday morning. So that's it for me. I'm Roy Aguilar of the Equity Research Team. This is the Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. And, you know, as always, at First Metro Securities, it's hashtag your future first. Thanks for listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to follow us to get first dibs on our new episodes. For more up-to-date market news and info, exclusive content, and the opportunity to connect with your fellow Filipino investors and traders, join facebook.com slash groups slash First Metro Sec and be part of the First Metrosec family.